Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning to my church family and to our, our honored guests. I'd like to commend you for making the decision to be here with us this morning because you are in a great place with a great church family. It's been my experience as a Christian for the last six years getting my start here in Pickerington that this church is completely all about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart and I can stand here today before you as a living testimony and as a product of that gospel being preached each and every week. So I commend you. I thank you for being here this morning. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Our text for this morning, we're going to be working out of Galatians chapter 1 mostly. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to there. The church in Galatia, if you didn't know any better, you'd probably look at it and say that they were a fairly healthy congregation. Now, if you get into the text, you'll quickly find out that that is not the case. But just to give you a few examples, Paul commends them for being a church that welcomes outsiders, welcomes in the strangers, who takes care of the sick. For example, when he was sick, he says that they brought him in and took great care of him. He even commended them so much in their hospitality that he says he was certain that if it were possible, they would gouge out their own eyes and give them to him so that he could see better. This is, this is quite a testimony for a church. But Paul's writing this letter to them out of tremendous concern for their health. This church believes in Jesus. They're doing good works. They wanted to do what was right. But Paul's main concern is that they had somehow turned away from the gospel. And if you've been paying attention this morning, you've heard the gospel declared in our songs, in our prayers, and in the communion this morning. But they had turned away from it. And they had somehow put themselves into this perilous situation. Go ahead, if you haven't already, open up to Galatians chapter 1. Paul begins his letter to the Galatians by defending his identity as a called apostle. And in doing so, as a called apostle, uh, the message that he is about to bring them should be seen as authentic, as authoritative, and listen to above and over anything that they have heard to the contrary. And Paul cuts right to the chase just in the third verse of this first chapter into explaining what this gospel is. I'll go ahead and read from you verses 3, for five, three through 5. Paul writes, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This isn't just a cordial introduction that Paul is giving these people. In fact, it's a very succinct yet detailed explanation of a lot of very strong gospel truths that it would behoove us to learn for ourselves. He starts out by saying these words, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Any of you are probably familiar with that great old song, Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. This grace is given to us as an undeserved favor or a blessing from God. It's completely unmerited. It is a pardon of our wrongdoing. And in a simple sense, it's forgiveness. The second word he issues in this opening phrase is of equal importance. He uses the word peace. Now, if any of you have ever had a large group of family over at your house around the holidays, you've probably longed for peace in that situation at some point in time. But God has given us a calming of the discord that exists between us and God. He has resolved it with the peace that he issues. These things, grace and peace, come from God our Father. It's important to note this because in this resolving of our sin, and resolving of the discord, and in the grace given, the relationship between, an, between us and God can change. Because we're no longer alienated from God due to our sin, God is no longer just some distant being, but he becomes, in fact, our heavenly father. And in turn, we are his children. And the last phrase of this opening, opening verse, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus now becomes our Lord. Jesus now becomes the one who runs the show, so to speak. He is the one that charges us and directs our path. This Lord that we've been given had given himself for our sins. That is to imply that there was a payment necessary for those sins to go away. The cross and his death on it was a ransom, pay, a ransom payment for the purpose of delivering us from the present evil age, as being called out of and away from the evil that exists within the world. All of this was done according to the will of our God and Father. It was God's will that Jesus would do this. It was purposed in eternity past that Christ would come and he would serve this purpose to deliver us from this present evil age. It was foreknown that the world would need delivering and yet they carried out this plan for us anyway. And in doing so, the end of verse 5, it says that in this God would be glorified forever and ever. The weight of this reality of all these things that God has done for us, the weight of the reality of the gospel, that's what causes us to bring our glory to God. When he becomes the object, that the, the weightiest object in the room, as it's been said before in here, that's what gives God his glory. So just to quickly recap these points so we can move on to the next point, God gives us his grace, he gives us peace, he gives us a new relationship with him. He gives us a Lord to direct us, who gave himself up for us. But notice how much of this God has been credited for. And if we're honest, we'll notice that he did everything. Paul is just very succinctly given the Galatians a beautiful picture of what the gospel is in a very, very simple terms. It's liberating. It's freeing, 
and somehow they had forgotten it. Paul says, <coughs> sorry, they, it's probably important that we identify with this church real quick before we go on. You see, they, they believed in Jesus. They were a part of the church. If they had not been, Paul probably wouldn't have been writing them. And they were doing good things. And these are all things that I hope to be able to identify with, and I hope that you can identify with those things as well. But in verse 6, Paul says, I'm astonished that you are turning so quickly to another gospel. Verse 7, we find more accurately that this other gospel is a distorted gospel. And in case you're wondering what a distorted gospel is, picture, if you will, you're in a, a priceless art museum, and something like a Rembrandt is there before you. And the artist meticulously laid out his design for this painting. And you'd gone on, gone on up to this painting with your Crayola crayon and just started drawing smiley faces all over it. Something to detract from the quality and the worth of that painting. This is essentially what they had done with the gospel. They had, to dis they had distorted the gospel by letting go of the justifying work of Jesus and embracing a works-based and law-keeping system of justification. Turning to the law and works rather than or in addition to the gospel is nothing short of bad news. And here's why. Flip a page over in your Bible, if you will, to Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul charges them with this, saying, All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. That's bad news. He goes on, For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Paul hits again in Galatians 5, 2-4. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, a piece of the law, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circ circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. This is a bad situation. Paul hits this problem from both sides. He's, in other words, he's saying, if you're trying to justify yourselves before God by your works, you have to do everything in the law perfectly all the time. You can't pick and choose which laws are convenient for you, which ones you would like to follow. You have to do all of them. It's all or nothing. Furthermore, if you're seeking to be made right before God with your own efforts, essentially what you have to do is reject everything that God has done for you. And you're still under the curse. That's bad news. Galatians 3.13, Paul says that Christ redeemed us from that curse. He redeemed us from that curse by becoming the curse for us. And not only did he become a curse for us, but he goes on in just the next verse, verse 14, it says that he did it so that we might receive the Spirit through faith. That is to say that there's no spirit given 
to those who put their faith in a works-based system of justification. We can fall into that danger, church. I do it from time to time, where I look to myself to try and be the answer for, for my sin problems, and it's a dangerous place to, to be. But here's how we can know whether we're operating under this workspace system of justification or if we're embracing the gospel and the justification found therein. First and foremost, the spirit, which Paul mentioned, is promised to Christians. What a great promise to have. If we are people who have submitted to the lordship of Christ and in faith responded to the gospel message by having our sins washed away in baptism, we've been promised this Holy Spirit. The Spirit then works in the life of the believer, and when they submit their will to Him, the Spirit can then and will bear fruit in the lives of that believer. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's a singular fruit. It's a fruit. It's more like a bouquet. That might be easier to think of. It all comes up. All these attitudes that we're about to read through will come up at once. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like I said, these, these attitudes are what comes out of this Spirit working within the believer's life. In contrast to this, those who are still operating under a workspace system without the Spirit will continue to have a reason to compare themselves to one another. They'll continue to have reason to tear down and try and build themselves up in an effort to make themselves feel better or look better in the eyes of God. Paul writes that these works of the flesh are evident in Galatians 5, 9 through 21, or 5, 19 through 21, rather. He says, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. The list could go on. And these kind of attitudes and behaviors can exist anywhere in our lives. They can see them in your homes. Sometimes when you're driving, that's a test. Sometimes. <laughs> you can see them in the church, sadly. You can see them in the lives of you and I. In any case, their presence is an indication that the Spirit is not currently directing the life of that individual. And if the Spirit is not directing our lives, we need to identify if we're really believing in the true gospel. So that charges us with this question, ladies and gentlemen. Which gospel are we following? Is it the gospel of Jesus, or is it the gospel of works? Perhaps you're a Christian, and you find yourself working really hard to somehow try and earn favor with God. Or you're clinging to your law-keeping and find yourself not measuring up or you're missing out on the grace and peace that's been offered to you. Guys, I would charge you today to, 
to seek help because we're here to help you. If you're not a Christian and you're hearing these things for the first time maybe today and you find you would really, really like to enjoy the things that God has made available to you and be freed from the compulsion of, of your flesh by the gift of the Spirit, you have an opportunity now after services whenever but please please take the opportunity to respond we're here to help if you have a need please come forward as we sing